and Chloe and I just came back. I don't know about back. We came out of Asia, out of North North Korea, (laughs) Vietnam. Came out of Vietnam, where it was the middle of winter. The middle of winter, and it's you know probably twenty five degrees. That's the middle of winter. We come down here to the middle of summer in New Zealand, and it's fifteen degrees. And this is the middle of summer here, and so it's this conflict of what's winter and what's summer. It's all relative, and I think that's a perfect way to begin this conversation. Welcome everybody to this space that we've opened up for ask us anything. And so us, just to be clear about what us means, means we get to ask you anything also. Everybody <laughs> gets to ask everybody anything. This is a this is an asking space. So if everybody could please take a deep breath and you have this energetic center have an energetic center. And if you put your attention on wherever your energetic center is, could be the future, the past, could be somewhere else, just take it and use your intention to move your energetic center onto your physical center. And you'll feel it just kind of goes ka-chunk, just fits right into your your physical center, which is just behind your, your navel, a little bit below your navel in the middle of your body. And then you, you take another breath, and you take your clicker, this is your clicker, and you make a grounding cord between your center and the middle of the earth. It has a color. So at the count of three, if you all just tell me what the color of your grounding cord is. One, two, three. Orange, brown. And if you click it, click it one more time, and you make this energetic bubble of space. That's your bubble of space your personal bubble of space and if you look at this picture with kian and laura you can see that their their bubbles go right next to each other and they're not inside of each other because if they were inside of each other then their spaces would be enmeshed and then we'd be playing kind of a child game you know parent and child or something like that or boss and employee or something it'd be an enmeshed kind of thing but they've been practicing so you can see their bubble goes right next to each other and they're still connected they're not separate they're actually getting kian gets to be kian laura gets to be laura and they get to be there with each other so that's their bubble of space and if you if you want you can click your clicker one more time within chloe and i and a couple other people and hold the entire space in which we're having this conversation with everybody around the world so it's this weird shape looking space where we're all inside together in this space called Ask Us Anything. Great. Just take one more breath. And hello. Who would hello. like to go first? Who would like to go first? Who would like to say something? Aaron, you're ready to say something. <laughs> uh, hello. Um, I'm... My name is Aaron. I'm in Christchurch, and it's about ten degrees. Ooh. And um, and uh, I was invited here by James Samuel, hmm. and uh, I know nothing. God, what a fortunate place to be! You know, Zen practitioners yes. work fifteen years of meditation <laughs> just to get to that place. You are a lucky yeah. man. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, does anybody have a question? I have a question. Go ahead. Those uh, talismans that we wear, what's what, the technology? What do you mean we, white man? What do you mean we? Archiarchians. I know Archiarchians that don't wear a talisman, so... I, I suggest you start with I. Oh, yeah. Ask yourself an I question. Thank you. The talisman that I wear, I really want to know what's the technology behind it or something. I want to know more about it. So I wear it with more responsibility to know what, I'm, what am I using? What technology do I, am I using? 
I, I heard that one man technology is another man magic. Okay. What's your real question? <laughs> I I want to know what how this talismans came about and I have a proposal for a question for you. I have a proposal for a question that you could ask in this space. The question is something like, how is it that people come together in partnerships or how people come together for intimate relating and then they go away? How is it that people go away from each other? How, how could that be? You don't have to ask that question. I, I would, it's a possible question for you. Thank you. Will you explain that question? I have fear to answer this question because I haven't been with that long enough. And the answer that comes up right now is some sort of anger and about boundaries being crossed with each other for me. And take right. a step into my boundaries. Do you do you think a boundary can actually be crossed? Or or is it was it just not made? I don't need an answer. The reason I wasn't going with your archetypal lineage talisman question is because it's more of a really whatever technical answer, and it would be not necessarily useful for this space. So I, I I'm not saying it's a bad question or anything like that. I'm just saying let's let's go to that question at another space. But this question about about you know if I make a boundary. And because I really, you know, human beings, we have this potential for intimacy and connection and creative collaboration that's just amazing. It's just really, it's, you know, you can see other animals hang out together. You know, you can see a family of elephants sleeping together in a photograph. You know, you can see birds that, fly together for example even flies flies like they like to fly it around together okay okay but there's this capacity for intimacy and vulnerability and communication and connection and invention co you know collaborative invention that we have this capacity for that and then and then people go away from each other okay so this thing about what causes us to go away from each other is a really valuable sort of question for introspection. I mean, and so, um, and if, if it's about boundaries, you know, if I make, okay, I say like, you know, I don't want to have meat in the house, whatever like this. And somebody brings in a hamburger from McDonald's, you know, it's eating it in the house and you go, okay, what was what was not clear about the boundary it's about you you know you didn't actually make the boundary you did not actually make the boundary and it's about negotiation it opens up the space for negotiating and so what it's saying is it's time for renegotiation when a boundary is not you know you're experiencing a boundary is not being respected it's time for renegotiation and that's a that's a different perspective than being offended or or well you don't respect me or i'm leaving or i'm angry or it's this really 
invitation to renegotiate, to connect at a deeper level. Like what's really going on for me that I need this boundary? What's really going on for you that you didn't get my boundary like that? So it's a, it's a doorway for a deeper conversation. Let's leave it like that for right now, okay? Does anybody else want to say anything about that? Thank you. Yeah, I would say <clears throat> that also learning how to set boundaries and, and hold the boundaries is is a really important skill and a, a really shift of identity for most of us who are completely adaptive and, and don't know where our space ends and other people's space starts. And just have learned to be doormats, really emotional doormats for other people. And however, at some point in, after being able to hold boundary for a while, you can, it's possible to use boundary also as walls, as like ultimatums. Like mm. you don't respect me, so I leave. And, and that's, it's just, a, it's a, it's still a survive. It's like a way to create a wall, like under the banner of boundaries. And that, that's when negotiation uh, becomes really the, the tool, becomes the the technology to to relate and to be with each other. And so to have this meta conversation or this this question, this this inquiry about okay, what is my boundary really about? You know, is it to protect a part of me that does not want to evolve, that wants to be safe, that wants to, you know, I don't want to talk about this, so I'm making a boundary, and you better respect it. Something like that. Yeah, there's this, there's this, uh, human beings, we have this ability, we have this consciousness, there's this thing, and, and the consciousness is in alignment with this universal evolution, force of evolution. And so, and at the same time, we have this ego, or this survival strategy, which is like this, we call it this box. And so there's, there's this force of evolution and then there's our being and then there's in, and then there's this box and the box is this mechanism and the mechanism has the intention to keep everything the same because that's how the survival strategy works if everything stays the same but relating relating with another human being in a in a collaborative relating is evolutionary you're going to learn stuff you're going to see stuff it's going to have insights you're going to have feedback and this this environment of relating is has this such an evolutionary force, and and that it if you are not in a relating environment, it's like your box has won. It says you know the survival strategy to keep you separate and to keep you the same to block evolution has won, and so it's if you find yourself single you know, living alone in a box somewhere, which is the kind of the definition of modern culture, get yourself a box in a big city and live alone. You know, that's, then, then your box has one, then the, the, the force in you that wants to keep things the same, that pr protect you from evolving, expanding, growing, learning, changing, to protect you from that has one. And so it's a, it's a major piece of feedback to, so it's not a good, bad, right or wrong, you must, you should, you have to belief system thing about relating. It's just uh, evidence, kind of evidence about what's going on for you, actually. God, that should bring up a lot of questions. Thank you, Dora. Thanks a lot. Thank you. The floor is open. Thank you. Susanna, uncork your microphone there. I want to pick up the ball at this point. And the question is, what could be an experiment to get out of this lonesome single person box living in total control? And what, because there is a, a high fear to go into connection because there are so many stories where connection didn't work, relationship went into low drama, gremlin, feeding. So what would be experiments for first steps? I, I mean, for what I heard you say was a, an exact description 
of where to go with this because you were so clear just now that there was a an emotion that was coming up in that condition could you say what the emotion is the emotion is fear it's and then you also go ahead fear you said it's a fear of what were you going to say yeah, there are stories which which um, which un- uh, give like evidence to this fear. Great, and and what did you say your approach was? What did the fear trigger? Oh, I don't, I, 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 I don't remember what I said. You said the word control. Ah, yeah. You get that? Okay. Yeah. Something's going on. I feel fear. I have a story. I go, oh, this again, or oh my God, this is happening, or oh no, this is going to happen. And this fear, and it triggers this response, which is control. You know, block that, stop this, shut this down, get, you know, make it stay the same. And then whatever's happening can happen out here, but I'm safe. Like I don't have to. I can control this environment and therefore my fear, actually your fear is running the whole time. Your fear is what's empowering the control. You get that? This thing about if you're trying to control something, it's being driven by fear. So so that means that you uh, have have your breakfast or you, you know go to sleep at night. And essentially, what happens is that you're unable to go back to zero where there's no fear. There's a, a, a background level of fear. So, Susanna, what, what would you say your background percentage of fear is generally? I'd say it's probably 10% at least. I'd say 18. Okay. Okay. Just from scanning you with my feelings detector and, and your level of fear. And so, all right, somewhere between 10 and 18% is a lot of fear. And what that means is your numbness bar has to stay up. We have this thing called a numbness bar. And it stays up and we think that wherever the numbness bar, we think that's ordinary. You know, we think we make that, okay, this is where I am. And that means we're not able to actually sense or experience the the amount of fear that's happening below the level of our numbness bar. And a lot of people will run their numbness bar all the way up at 80%. And and so anything happening, uh, any kind of feeling or emotion that comes up, we don't even notice it because we're just numb to it until it gets higher than 80%. And then all of a sudden from what we think is no feelings at all, we jump to this 85% level and it's like we, we have this panic attack if it's fear or if it's anger, we explode. Like we have this anger. Did anybody do the have a panic attack before or have this rage exploding thing or all of a sudden the sadness overwhelms you? Yeah. And it's like, ah, you know, but that, that, t- that means you having running a high level numbness bar. So what Susanna is talking about is having a, a numbness bar at a, somewhere between between 10 and 18% all the time, really all the time. And what that means is that any any fear she's having that's less than that, less intense than 10% or 18% is out of her awareness. And so to manage that, she what we do is we control our environment like to avoid what you're saying in this conversation is about intimacy, to avoid getting around a person close enough or long enough that um, that the fear would get higher than 10% or 18%. But that means we can't really relax. So you go to sleep at night or you, you go, ah, and the farthest down you can go is 10%. So you're all, you're still running through your whole entire endocrine system, your nervous system, your nerves are going, you know, at 10 to 18% all time that uses up a lot of energy a lot of attention you get exhausted you get you get um sensitive to even more you know fear more easily because you you never get to go to zero and it's possible for us to we are designed to 
have the fear be able to go all the way down to zero. Let's do a little experiment right now. <clears throat> Here we are with kind of a group of strangers who are from we don't know where in the world. And we're in this space looking at each other. We can hear each other. Anybody can speak about anything. And our our experiment is to just let the fear in you, the background fear, go towards zero. All the way down to zero. Really, all the way, all the way, all the way down to zero. Keep being with yourself. Doing super. What happens when you're doing this? What are you noticing when you do this? When you try to let your muscles relax, your your thoughts relax, your your heart relax, all the way down to zero. What happens? What do you notice when you try to do that? Susanna, say that. Yeah. So at, in the first step, I become very calm. And then a kind of, a, it's like waves. So there are small waves coming and going. Waves of what? A waves of the fear. It's. I saw, I saw a different feeling coming up for you also. What was that? So I felt joy. Okay. Joy was coming up. Joy because uh, it feels so uh, spacey. There's so much space. <laughs> okay, and what? And another feeling I saw come up too. So there's sadness, and sadness about is what's the sadness about? Uh, that I don't feel the relaxation all the time. Yeah. Thank you. Somebody else? What did you notice when you were trying to let your fear go all the way down to zero? You guys were doing super. I felt really glad. I was really glad about this this space. But what did you notice? Angela? Um, Oh, yeah. um, I noticed that I um, became more conscious about the fear I'm having in the space of doing something wrong, you know, having a stupid question. Um, and I could connect to this fear of being in school. Yeah, cool. Well, so that's a major, that's a significant doorway for some emotional healing processes. Because that kind of thing is always with you then until, you you know, it's always running in the background. And so it'd be super to to use that you know, the fear of asking stupid questions, the fear of being called on, the fear of whatever school brought up and really go through that. I mean, we did a heal from school lab in Portugal last year. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. So so all I'm saying is there's huge amounts of leftover stuff from school. So I'm so it's, it's super that when you started to let your fear go down, you noticed that that was there the whole time. And that's an excellent doorway to do those emotional healing processes. Thank you. And I had also a question just beforehand, which um, was if it is um, the numbness bar, is is it same high for all um, emotions then? Or it's like I have 
better access to my sadness and fear mm. maybe, but I don't recognize my anger and I'm just exploding because I don't. Yeah, it, it turns out that the the numbness bar that we're talking about, you do, if if you could make it different for different feelings, then because of modern culture's education that anger and sad and fear are bad feelings and joy is a good feeling, then you would you make a really high numbness bar, you know, for anger, sadness, and fear. So you don't feel that at all. And you would lower your numbness bar for joy. And then, but that doesn't really work. It turns out the numbness, you know, the feelings are going like this all the time, all the time. We have these, uh, each feeling has a different uh, intensity and the numbness bar is, is this average thing. So you cannot, if you lower your numbness bar, for joy, you're also lowering it for all four feelings. And Chloe, you're going to say something. Yeah, and at the same time, um, there's some particular. You could have some particular decision about a particular feeling, or you could have put a block, you know, an energetic block. Um, for example, it's possible. It we we usually think of energetic blocks, which is something that, in a stressful situation, we make a decision. For example, it's. I can't feel angry. Otherwise, my mom will not take care of me. If I scream, she doesn't take care of me. So I can't be angry. And we usually think of a, of an energetic block, you know, for example, here in the throat or on the chest, as something that blocks um, an expression of aliveness. So either a feeling, but it could be um, it could be other things. But we also discovered that we can put energetic blocks so that the feeling never goes back down to zero. So that's, you know, it could be something that like that happening for Susanne or some, some membrane, you know, so that, so that we always running some kind of alertness and it's particularly true for fear. Like I, I haven't really found blocks like that for other feelings, but so that can make the difference of how much you can uh, navigate different feelings. Yeah. Yeah, I'm because I'm walking around pretty angry all the time. So, mm -hmm. uh, okay, so you could have put a block if, to not actually go down to zero in with your anger, as a way to keep yourself protected. Each of us has invented a survival strategy, and that and that has allowed us to survive through our childhood and our adolescence, and then the survival strategy, the thing that used to protect us, has now become our prison because we're designed to be actually in the world instead of in the world inside of a chrysalis, like a butterfly has a chrysalis or a chicken has an egg. And if you try to be in the world inside the egg, you're not in the world. Mm. Does anybody have that feeling? Like I'm, I'm alive, you know, I wake up, I eat my breakfast, I go to work, but I'm not in the world. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that what that's what that's telling you is that part of your survival strategy is is still around you. It's as if the your butterfly, maybe you have, you know, you're looking out of your chrysalis or your the little chicken, you know, you're you stick your nose out or a foot out or something, but you're the thing is still there. And so the authentic adulthood initiatory processes have let you go all the way out of the thing that was protecting you and that thing falls away and we just have not had a space for that to happen we have not had role models to see that and so it seems so bizarre like who am i if my if my box my survival strategy is not what i'm identified with if i'm not identified with my protection devices you know my clever strategies like angela you said you know, you, part of yours is this is this sudden anger. You know, I'm going to get angry, and this is part of your survival strategy, and it's a dead mechanism. But if you're identified with that, then what you get to be in the world is this kind of angry box, and people come around you and go, "Gosh, yeah, this is the angular angry box thing." And I, see, right now you just shifted a little tiny bit. Right now you you put it back a little bit, but that thing could completely fall away. And you have an entirely different relationship with the world and everything that's happening. 
but you keep zipping it back up and you go, you know, you wake up in the morning and you put on your angry box Angela show and then it's like, okay, okay, I'm ready for the world. You know, that's, and, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. We're designed as human beings in the adult free and natural adult state to engage the world as a part of the world, as an agent of forces that are greater than us, you know, as a space we're, we're designed for that. And so to be identified with the survival strategy and keep putting it on all the time cuts us off from intimacy, make sure nothing changes. And then we think we can control the world or understand the world. And we're cut off from the aliveness of the world. Like we're not really there because this box is still there. And so that what that means is just simply that there's more initiatory processes to go through to become the thing that can be in the world without the survival strategy around. And one of the things we were talked with Dor about at the beginning, this thing about, you know, my boundaries have been crossed. Well, it's like, okay, what's, what are the boundaries about? Well, I have fear about this. I have a picture of myself where it needs to be like that. And so instead of, relating and renegotiating the box's tendency is like i'm out of here you know i'm leaving i'm i'm this is over it's finished instead of using this possibility of renegotiating so thank you thank you i just want to add i mean there's some boxes that also would say okay i i give up on what i need there's also the the yeah, the other extreme of, okay, I'll just I'll go de- with the flow and be completely Can you adept. say more about that? Can you just say more about that? And yeah. Because half the people in here have that kind. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it shows up in, in different sort of probably voices, sort of um, experience of, it could be, a lot is, is, is to do with, oh, I don't want to create any conflicts. I don't want anybody to feel anything around me. And that often comes from probably having parents who were explosive type, really loud type or suppressing feelings. And if they felt anything, you you know, it was, you, you were not in a safe place. They couldn't take care of you. And so you, you could have decided something really early on saying, okay, I'm going to make sure that people are okay so that I get food on the table or I get a hug or I get, attention I get love if I can control my environment by being this peacemaking this peacemaker person and and so then all your your what you want what's important um your uh you know how how you want to relate all of that disappears in the face of oh I just want you to be okay so that so that I'm okay I need you to be okay so that I'm okay and that's a that's this yeah we call this survival strategy being adaptive, or also it could be really being enmeshed. That's what Clinton was talking about in the beginning is this enmeshment of only if you're okay then I'm okay, and and that's an enmeshed um, type of of relating instead of uh, having these two personal bubble and saying and somebody can be not okay and 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 the other person say okay you're not okay. Or you're feeling angry right now, or you're feeling sad right now, and and that being two different, um, it's two different space. It's two different uh, u- unique creatures relating to each other, and it doesn't have to be completely. I mean, this thing about you know, I need you to be okay for for me to be okay. It makes this world completely dead. It's completely gray. It's 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 then then nothing can be different then nothing can be expressed then it's you know it's saying how are you i'm fine and then your world is i'm fine so yeah and so and really for i I just want to say in terms of if that's the survival strategy that you've designed to survive i i recommend rage club i really recommend rage club Mm. to figure out what is me what is others? What do I want? What do other people want? 
go, what happened if they don't want it? Well, I can still be me if people don't get what they want. And, and, and there's a, a bunch of other stuff that comes with anger, but that's, that's really a start. And I talk as a, as a reformed adaptive box. So I, I've, I've really uh, discovered the joy of God, I can, I can say what I want and whatever, whatever other people, whatever other people feel about that around me. Thank you. (laughs) So you, and Chloe, you brought up this, this thing about like some people's boxes is that I'm okay box, you know, and in other people's boxes, I'm a not okay box. You know, I'm, I'm missing something. I'm broken. I'm left out, whatever. And and some people, the I'm not okay boxes sometimes think, well, gosh, if I could just be one of those I'm okay boxes, they have confidence, they can speak, you know, but try to understand that somebody who has an I'm okay box, the box is fake. And so the I'm okay box always has to look okay has to put on this show of I'm okay. So they have this, it's like epoxy or this super glue. They've super glued and cemented this, this mask, this show of being okay. And so anytime there's going to be a, a possibility of a liquid state of an actual change of evolution happening, it's like, no, no, no. Cause I, then I would have to look not okay. Cause I'd be in this liquid state. Whereas somebody who has an I'm not okay box, well, you're always in a liquid state. You know, there's always some a mess, you know. And so, <laughs> right. And so, and so the, the experience of having things fall apart and go, I don't know, you know, what, you know, that's, that feels okay to you. It's like the normal thing for you. So it turns out that in the evolutionary path, it's easier for people who have an I'm not okay box to go through these evolutionary liquid states to go through that because you're just more familiar with it. It fits with your, your self-image to be not okay. So it's not an advantage to have this epoxy. I'm okay. I'm, I'm speaking from a reformed I'm okay box, which is, you know, I used to have this, it's all, I'm always okay. You know, like that. So it's been a big thing for me to just, you know, lose it. Like to like have the thing fall apart. Yeah. Kian, go ahead. What is the thing that a relationship can be built on? Like, what is, is, is it like a commitment? Is it, um, so, so right, just stop right there. Okay. okay. So for some reason, try to imagine what you're saying. What you're saying, what you're trying to say, the basis of your of your speaking is this idea that a relationship is a thing. I have a relationship, I'm going to build a relationship, then my relationship needs work. I have to fix my relationship. And then I don't have a relationship. Are you getting that you're talking about it like a thing? Yes. Okay, where did you get that idea? Parents, movies, school. We would call that standard human intelligence thoughtware. S-H-I-T. Standard human intelligence thoughtware. There's a website. Website. S-H-I-T.mystrikingly.com that has uh, introspection into the possibility that you might be using standard human intelligence thoughtware, thinking of a relationship as a thing, just like your parents or the movies or the love songs on the radio. Okay, so you're so thoughtware is is thoughtware. It has a consequence. You think a certain way. And it produces certain results. Okay, does that mean the thoughtware is, is useful? Does that mean the thoughtware is true? Does that mean the thoughtware is creates possibility? So not necessarily. So what I'm suggesting by my question about your question is what's the usefulness of thinking of a 
relationship as a thing. And the usefulness is for your gremlin. So the gremlin is the part of ourselves that protects our box and can destroy any space at any time for no reason for the purpose of keeping everything the same, because that's how we can survive. It keeps us in survival. So this this thing of having a relationship as a thing automatically goes against the force of nature, which is evolution. It automatically goes against like an so, you know, I have a here's the thing. It is my beep book. It is a thing. Is this thing evolving? Well, I mean, it's decomposing due to friction and oxidation, but it's basically not evolving. It's just a thing. So I have a thing. I understand a thing. I can own the thing. I can give the thing away. I can sell it. I can lose it. All of those things you can do with a relationship, but it is not evolving. And so if Anne Chloe, takes my little beep book and puts it somewhere else than where I had it, we get to have a low drama. You know, if, if, if my, if it, the reason for calling a relationship a thing is to feed the, to, to make an ongoing environment in which you can have low drama. Cause my relationship is not, it's not, as good as their relationship, you're comparing your relationship. One, you know, my look, look at that couple over there. You know, whoa, do they have a good relationship? It's better than my relationship. My relationship's better than their relationship. Ha ha ha. You know, so this this whole thing is a gremlin world to think of, to relate to your relationship as a thing. And it is the it is how we have been taught to relate to relating. So if Kian, if you were not, if you were not regarding your relationship as a thing, what would be your question? Mm. I noticed that in in the relating with with Laura at the moment, I I come to the place of of. Mm, fear fearing to to Kian, look yeah. turn to your left turn to your left say hello laura hello laura you blinked your eyes when you said that you closed your eyes when you said hello so you, what that tells us is you're not even really able to Say hello to Laura. Now you're blinking your eyes really a lot. Okay, so that means you're not really able to be present with Laura. Okay, that's really big information. Those are two, those are two emotional healing processes, Kian, that you could do. Why am I afraid to say hello to Laura? Why am I terrified to be with Laura? Those are two, you're still doing it. So those are two huge emotional healing processes. So if you don't write those down, you will forget. So I encourage you to write write those down. Laura, are you okay with this, that we're doing this little experiment? Okay. Yes. Good. So we're just waiting while Kian writes it down. He's got two emotional healing processes to do right there, doorways. It's so great to find the doorways because our box is designed so we do not discover these doorways for emotional healing processes, our whole psychological structure is designed to not find them. And that's why, you know, in the back of your beat book, you just start making a list of your emotional healing processes to do, right? And you can always find them if they're in the back. And then next time you're ready to do an emotional healing, you just go and just do the next one, whatever it is. And don't wait so long. So just about, Kian, just, about, look, yes. just about this, I'm posting in the chat, uh, three different groups. Those are the global groups. I know there's also local groups uh, for different languages, but the second one is this emotional healing collaboration group. And that's a place where you can make any ask about uh, going through these emotional healing process that we're talking about. It's a global team, a global team of people doing emotional healing processes with each other. Thank you very much. And so Kian, you're looking at Laura. Hmm. You're looking at her. Go ahead. Just look at her. She's going to look at you. 
you're trying this again and you say, I feel you could begin I now. I feel yeah. scared. Of don't think about it. Yeah. I it's not scared. in your mind. Mm. Saying saying yes to like what our our relating is. I feel scared that Hold on. So, Kian, hold on a second. You are fucking thinking too much. Laura, will you just tell him, say, Kian, you are afraid of, just tell him. Look at him and tell him. Kian, you're afraid of. Kian, you're afraid of letting me in. Okay. So, okay. What does that mean? So, there's a woman talking to a man. A woman thinks she knows what that means, and a man thinks he knows what that means, and there are two different universes. So, Laura, could you explain to Kian what you are meaning by let me in? Just like, what does that mean? Tell him. Like, opening to me, letting me me see you more vulnerable. So why is is he afraid? Because I've seen Kian vulnerable. Kian can be vulnerable. I have seen that a number of times. It's great. So, why why is he afraid to be vulnerable with you? Tell him. I I, I see his m- mother is coming to me. So okay, so tell just tell him, just mm-hmm. say it. You are afraid to be vulnerable with me because. Mm-hmm. Just go for it, Laura. Just say. Yeah, you're you're afraid to be vulnerable with me because you see me as as your mother. Great. And then say, I am not your mother. And I am not your mother. And so, Kian, that's another, there's a third emotional healing process to do. Write it down. I am sure glad we are having this conversation. <laughs> Could you see Laura relax? Could you guys see Laura relax when she said, I am not your mother? Could you see that? Wasn't that great? You're just cutting out. I can't hear you. It's, it was so amazing to watch. Yeah. We'll wait a second. You guys are in lag time there. Are you back? Are you back in? Good. So it was so amazing to watch Laura's whole body, five bodies, relax in the moment when she made this distinction. It's not even really a boundary, it's a distinction. I am not your mother. If she is actually not your mother, then Kian, any of your projections, expectations, you know, resentments towards your mother will not apply to Laura. But she did not say that so clearly before. She didn't didn't stand in not being your mother. She was kind of receiving your projections and receiving your fears and receiving your, you know, your expectations and all that shit because, you know, but now she says, I am not your mother. So this, this is like, I'm not, right, not the right color, but it's a cloth. I have a cloth here and it's like a bullfighter. You know, if this was a red cloth and the bull is coming towards me, you know, I, can, I have a choice. I can hold the cloth here. Or I can hold it over there. And it makes a very big difference where you hold this cloth. Do you guys get this? So, Laura, before now, you've been holding the cloth here. And what you just said is, I am not your mother. You put it over there. And so all his projections, all his expectations, all his resentments that are unresolved, incomplete with his mother, go towards the mother and not towards you. Because you moved the cloth. And you can stand there and be in relationship. Like the bullfighter is in complete relationship with the bull. But not as a victim. 
you know, as as a as a collaborator doesn't usually turn out so well for the bull, but sometimes it doesn't turn out well for the bullfighter either. But anyway, so the idea is keep, you know, keep the cloth over to the side. I, mean, I am not your no. mother. No. Somebody saying something? Or is that just uh and Chloe, could you yeah, yeah there you go. I think there was James, yeah. Got it. Got it. Thanks. Kian, what's going on? I was thinking it was the 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 NASA, but it wasn't. It was my gremlin, basically. But thank you for this distinction. What distinction? For for Laura, do not take my expectations or resentment. Because I feel glad because it kind of yeah makes her free of that well so once you do the emotional healing process of putting your mother behind you as an ancestor so that your mother is not an active part of your psychological defense strategy in real time life you you actually become you step in to put your foot more into adulthood because your parents are behind you as your ancestors This happens in labs, usually, that kind of a process. If you actually do that, you will encounter a whole nother experience of what that thing is sitting to your left right now. And that thing is amazing. That thing is astonishing. That thing is impossible to to know. That thing is possible to experience in an evolution, you know, changing, ongoing, changing thing. But that thing is impossible to know. And so... That's a joyful experience. Like you have a source of evolving pl- possibilities sitting next to you, you know, right now, instead of projecting onto her, you know, your mom. So if your mom is behind you, the thing turning turns into a treasure. The thing next to you turns into this, wow, this like palace, this amazing palace of possibilities. So there's, it's worth doing the work. Like that, Laura, anything? I'm, I'm just right now. Um, I'm experiencing like there's stuff in my my bubble that I want to get out and becoming aware that I've. I've been having the cloth here. Mm. Okay. Thank you. I'm just Great. That right now. Thank you. I I just want to say that the difference also of holding the cloth here is is if you're holding it in front of you, then you also have to protect yourself. It's like you're getting the attack. So you have to find another way to protect yourself. And so much of the energy is in trying to whatever, protect yourself from that kind of um, attacks. Do this. You can't relate. Yeah. And, and so when you move the cloth, it's like outside of your bubble. Like you were saying, all of this that is inside of your bubble now because you've you've held the cloth in front of you. When you put the cloth on the side, it will go straight past your bubble and into the past. It'll just go into the past. But it's still, you know, for for you uh, for Kian, you know, if Laura has to put attention on moving the cloth and holding the cloth here, there's a, a lot of part of her attention that is not in the relating not in the co-creation so it's it's just then then that's what you you then you spending your relating time avoiding each other's you know projection and resentment and <laughs> and and it's like it's so much more is possible yeah cool thank you we i'd like to hear from jill gill is that how you, yeah Hello. Talk to us. Yeah, we have five minutes. Just okay. Thank you. Could you? Uh, yes. Go ahead. 
Hi. Um, this weekend, I was part of a three cell and I was the listener or coach while one person became a, another person's partner. And we talked earlier about Rage Club. I've done Rage Practice, but not Rage Club. And then, or even in labs or whatever, we, we rage, we we yell, we say, get out of here, you know, we're, we're as high as we can go. And when someone's, uh, I, I don't get how to negotiate when someone's pretending to be someone and they, they start raising their anger and yet it can be unacceptable. So I'm, I'm, I did jump in I wasn't a good coach that day and she stayed in low level drama so um I'm looking forward to doing the lab with you guys in March and Rich, let me let me give you a hint about that and yep. we don't have much time but let me just give you a hint about that and that is the person who is making the loud noise who's feeling the high intensity feelings it's very useful in that situation for the person that's role-playing the person they're talking to. If that person who's doing the role-play can repeat back what the person said. So they can say, you feel angry at me because I never listened to you. You feel angry at me because I was never there for you. But if they can complete, it's called a completion loop. Because if you're yeah. shouting at somebody and they don't ever repeat back, you don't know if they got the message or not. It's very rewarding and very effective to complete the thing. So then you ask, after the person yells for a while, you say, good, okay, now repeat back what you heard them say. And they don't have to, they don't have to yell or anything. They just say, what I heard you say is, and you, you feel angry because, and, they, and they, then you ask the person, is, did, you, did they hear you? They go, yes or no. And it, when they say yes, it's like, ah. Finally, they heard me. And so it's right. really important. They to have were the doing feedback, Luke, but I didn't ask that. Did you hear me? Did it land? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Completion. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. This stuff is great. But remember the completion of the part. Cool. And Wolf, hello. Good morning. Yeah. We just wanted to hear your voice. Yes. I tried to speak early on, but somehow. It didn't work out. I was a bit unsure about the protocol. Um, my, I have a whole bunch of responses, and one of them was uh, I listened to this thing on procrastination yesterday that was mm. on some radio that you did, and I realized that I haven't got a glossary for PM. Uh, I hear all those words, and I go, "What does that mean?" And what does that mean? <laughs> I get, I get totally lost in it. And um, uh, include, on the talk about procrastination, in. I was unable to follow your system or whatever you have to deal with procrastination. I got totally lost somehow. Yeah, great. Um, and Chloe just typed in a website called Distinctionary. 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 Yeah. Okay. It's like a dictionary, but it's a distinctionary. Okay, that sounds very helpful. Yeah, and to be clear, there is no system. It's not a system. So it's all improvisation, which means that it's alive. And so the distinctionary is about distinctions, but there's nothing in there about procrastination. So procrastination oh. is, is a survival strategy. It's one of the survival strategies. And so everybody has, you you know, there's 8 billion survival strategies, all unique on the planet. It's incredibly creative. And so it's, it's not, there's no uh, system. So you don't get to, like, I don't get to sit here and go, well, I know the system and you don't. And, you know, I'm as vulnerable as you are in this space because I'm not coming from a space of knowing. I'm coming from a space of being with you. And so I really appreciate that you watched the that that's a that was a highly intense space that little conversation about about procrastination is really intense conversation and there were because it was so intense it was so intense because we have these distinctions that we can use as, as a way of 
talking about stuff that cannot be talked about ordinarily. And so that's the advantage of having these new distinctions is you can enter spaces that are not available without the distinctions. And so, but the distinctionary has people, people have read the distinctionary and they just come out and go, I have a new life. Just changes their life because they get a whole bunch of distinctions they just never had before and go, and it's just from reading the distinctionary. So I encourage people to check it out. Did you, so did you have anything, like your statement was, God, I don't, they're speaking a different language. And that's true. We're speaking a language of archiarchy. Yeah. Culture. Um, yeah, I, I have read through the description of archiarchy. And I have also listened to the procrastination conversation about two and a half times. And <laughs> you, when I listen to stuff repeatedly, I finally get it at some point. Yeah. But in this case, I was as baffled after two and a half times as I was before. Isn't that an excellent? Isn't that an excellent? You're, you know, Wolf, you're a genius. I, you know, we can just look at you and just see what genius you are. And you've a genius in domains that are ordinary. You know, so, but here's a domain where your geniusness is not already what do you say? Used up. It's like you get fresh gene. You get a, a, a domain in which to unleash fresh geniusness. Isn't that a joy? And that's it's you know it's frustrating for your gremlin because you know I know I can build anything. I can fix anything. I can you know go anywhere. You know, and then you, there's this space we open up and you go, what the hell is this? And you and it's like. It destabilizes. Well, isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful that you do not, you have not conquered the universe yet? I mean, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. So this is why I'm listening and um, right now at this conversation. Um, so I'm really pleased to hear about the distinctionary. And um, I also notice that in listening to you right now, um, I have fear popping up every now and then and intensifying. And then I notice uh, that um, I've been practicing remaining centered for some time, and it is a constant challenge for me to remain centered. Um, yeah, so I go, wow, maybe I'm a slow learner, whatever. Um, and then I noticed that um, I was listening to the first question about the pendant, and I went, oh, I hadn't even noticed that there is a standard within PM that people have a pendant. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had no idea about that. Then I watched your response to the question about the pendant, which is a deflection in my book. And deflections are what politicians do in my experience. And I go, whoa, there's politics going on here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the politicians half the time answer a different question than the one mm. that has been posed which I call gaslighting, you know, which has mm. changed the flow of energy to something that we prefer. We don't want to mm. deal with what's going on for the person. Um, and I go, hmm, um, hmm. Yeah, so that's what's been going on for me. And uh, apart from that, I've found you are, um, both of you are expounding on what you're talking about, incredibly helpful to get more of how this PM thing takes or what your frame of your window into that kind of whatever you want to call reality is. There's a lot that resonates for me, particularly about the zero um, fear, zero arousal state, I would call it. Um, because like when we did that brief exercise of uh, get the fear down to zero, I noticed my energetic attention widening incredibly and becoming mm. very vibrant in a curious way. And that state I enjoy a lot. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for the feedback. Yeah. Thanks for the feedback about the um about the, the polit the political avoidance of a of a question. I've got Just, a logistics question. We're ending. But uh, yeah, I, I want to know how you get all these things that Anne-Floe has posted, you know, yeah. where do we find them, them afterwards? The, one, of, 
the first uh so start over xyz it's like really at the top of the chat and spaceport those are two of uh, the website that gathers all the websites spaceport will be more up to date and it's alphabetical so if you have the first letter of what you're looking for you can scan through it so that's pinned pinned to something uh it's in the meeting chat which will be i'll post it uh in the comments of this when i publish this video it's spaceport or you could or you could right now copy paste it somewhere else because when this when we turn this off that will disappear but if you want the links now you just copy paste it to a um somewhere i think i understand thanks yeah and i love talking about archetypal lineage talismans and the thing is, it's, a, it's an hour-long conversation, and we wanted—I wanted to save the space for other stuff. And I have a good connection with Dor. We can talk about that anytime. And if and Chloe put the link to archetypallineage.mystrikingly.com as a website, there's a couple of websites about that. So if, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot more information online about what that's all about. Wonderful. Cool. Yes. Hey, thank everybody. Thank you all for being here. Eva, thanks for being here. You You guys, Tor, all you guys were here. Thank you very much. And we'll see you around. Thanks for being here at Ask Us Anything. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Have a great day. Thank you.